Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit National Gambling Support Line 800-522-4700. The biggest and best of the Northwest just got even better. Introducing the all-new Muckleshoot Rewards Program with three tiers and extraordinary benefits. Play with your Muckleshoot Rewards card to earn points for free play and qualify for dining discounts, gifts, and much more. The more you play, the more you earn. Enjoy more benefits than ever before with the new Muckleshoot Rewards Program. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Takes over in front from Coastal Kid in second, then Zeppelin in third as they set down for the drive. There comes Tony Savage, followed then on the outside by uh, Zestful as they enter the final furlong. However, Perfect Dude has absolutely stormed away in a belt here in the loop. Cried boss Harry Hernandez going to get three wins on the day, but Perfect Dude makes it back-to-back wins here at Turf Paradise and takes the loop. Cried boss Hernandez punches the air. That was Perfect Dude winning at Turf Paradise on Monday, January 23rd, as he became the first Washington-bred stakes winner of 2023. Horse Racing Northwest, Joe Withy, Vince Brune, and also in studio, the well-known in Washington racing circles, member of the Washington Thoroughbred Hall of Fame, Robert Geller. Robert, welcome. Thank you so much, Joe. Yeah, great to have you here in town, uh, and uh, we'll be talking a lot with Robert throughout this segment of Horse Racing Northwest. And uh, yeah, we heard from Perfect Dude winning down at Turf Paradise, Vince, and he's off to a great start in 2023. Well, first of all, I'm outclassed here because uh, <laughs> Robert's in the Hall of Fame, oh, uh, Joe's in the Hall of Fame, and uh, I am not. So, <laughs> and, and you are one uh-huh. heck of a... Director of Media Relations. I'll just vouch well, for that. Well, we'll give that right as now. a consolation prize, but I'm moving up in class here today. Yeah, no, perfect dude. We remember him as a stakes winner here at Emerald Downs. That was a big win down in uh, in Phoenix, the Luke Bright Kreit Boss yeah. handicap in honor of the former track announcer. And uh, he got a 93 buyer, Jeez. which is kind of a Long Acres Mile type number. And if Todd and Sean Hansen listening out there this is out of the the mayor gadget queen who of course uh won a stakes here for the hansons so uh this horse joe has mile written all over him in my book um, boy he because he can certainly that was a mile race and he loves the distance and uh he's really on form 
I, I look back at his career record, and of course, he won the 2019 Seattle Sluice Stakes here at Emerald Downs four years ago. So he's a seven-year-old. And uh, hey, these trainers, Blaine and Van and whoever, they're not running him in stakes races enough, Vince. He's yeah. running five stakes races in his career, two wins a second and two thirds. He's never been out of the money. And and we remember on the opening day of Turf Paradise, the Hank Mills Sr. when he was 119 to one, kicked clear in mid stretch, got beat by Truth Seeker. But uh, yeah, he is really, uh, he seems to be getting better with age too. So uh, yeah, 119 to one second in that Hank Mills. I think Robert Geller might've been on him that day at that price, Robert. <laughs> I wish. Robert uh, is going to have a selection for us and he's going to do a sport short as we do on Horse Racing Northwest. We're also going to have uh, prominent owner Fred Desimone on the guest, uh, the show today as a guest. Fred, Freddie and his wife, uh, Cindy, were real close with Bob and Barbara Meeking, and Bob was his trainer at Emerald Downs the last few years. In fact, Freddie did a really nice thing, and he claimed Kingmeister in the Midwest pretty much with the idea that he could get a starter for Bob Meeking in the Long Acres Mile. And yeah, and you know, Kingmeister ended up going down to Del Mar and winning, what was it, 80 to 1 or something like that. Huge price. Huge price. Yeah. Uh, and I was remiss, you know, perfect dude. You mentioned the first Washington Bread Stakes winner here in 35 mm -hmm. grand for that. Zabra Cadabra, as you pointed out, Joe, a, a Laurel Allowance winner earned $42,000 back on January 15th for a victory. Yeah. So uh, Wabred's doing good work across the nation. Zabracadabra by Harbor the Gold. I believe he was the fourth leading Washington bread earner last year, 2022, behind uh, what's the the Big Wham, the Big Wham, his Wiz, mm -hmm. Papa's Golden Papa's Boy, Golden and Bo Zabracadabra right behind them. You know, and I forgot to jot down the name. We talked a few days ago. We had a Washington bread winner down at Santa Anita too, and uh, for Val Harbor Brinker, the Gold, I believe, a Harbor the Gold horse who had done some. Uh, her name's on there somewhere. Done pretty well in Louisiana last year too, yeah. and uh, my Harbor's dream. There yeah, you go. yeah, and uh, so you know, uh, east, uh, southwest, west, Washington bread's doing well. Very good. Got to get got to get one up to Woodbine for a win. Oh yes. It is 100 days to the season opener at Emerald Downs. Exactly 100 days will be Saturday, May 6th, first race at 1 p.m. And fellas, that's also Kentucky Derby Saturday. Robert, I haven't picked a Kentucky Derby winner in a few years now. Join the club. <laughs> it's not super easy. No, um, no. But. Uh, We'll be trying again this year. You know, and one of the ones John White likes, Arabian Night, is even money in the Southwest Stakes at Oakland Park this uh, this Saturday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch. I think, didn't John say he had a big future book on that one, a $2.3 million Colt? I think he did. Who uh, won on the Breeders' Cup weekend back there, and everyone in the whole world knew about it, and he delivered. So it'll be interesting to see, because that's going to be a big challenge for him in that race. Yeah, that uh, Oaklawn run to the uh, Kentucky Derby is pretty uh, interesting every year with the, their string of stakes races. The Southwest is this weekend, this Saturday, the 28th of January. Uh, again, 100 days till the opener at Emerald Downs. Saturday, May 6th, first race at 1 p.m., Kentucky Derby Day. So our normal uh, Saturday-Sunday time is going to be 2 p.m. start, but we're going to go at 1 p.m. on Kentucky Derby Saturday. Robert, I just wanted to ask, yeah. you know, that's a huge day for us with the Kentucky Derby and being opening day, the combination, I don't know if we've ever had that before. 
Do they celebrate mm-hmm. Kentucky Derby Day up in uh, in <laughs> Toronto? Oh yeah, absolutely. What, what's the name of the town? Uh, Etobicoke. How do you Etobicoke? Etobicoke. Etobicoke. Yeah, is where uh, Woodburn yeah. is. Um, and Mississauga. So it's sort of a little north of uh, Etobicoke is Mississauga, where the track is. Right. But they absolutely do, of course. Uh, Sometimes Mark Cassie has a runner in it, potentially, and there's always that interest yeah. if a trainer from the track does. But uh, the, the Queen's Plate's been shifted, so, uh, you know, there's uh, it's the a King's different plate feeling. Now. It'll be the King's Plate, and sometimes Kentucky Derby horses um, would have their um, sights on the Queen's Plate or what will now be the sure. King's Plate, but now it's later. So there was also that. I don't think that'll change the influence and interest in the day, mm-hmm. but it's a great day everywhere. Who was that good Husky running back? UW Husky from Mississauga. Sterling was his Sterling first name? Hines. Sterling Hines, I think. Ah, was yeah. he from Mississauga? I think so, they yeah. They did have a running back. Yeah, that's from a good one, Joe. Ah, Quite a few years up, back. That's my sports short. No, not really. <laughs> okay. Uh, lots of Washington horses at Turf Paradise. Tons this year. And we expect to see uh, those barns back at Emerald Downs and possibly some new ones as well. We're working on that uh, very closely and diligently. Uh, tickets go on sale March 1st for all Emerald Downs days except for July 3rd. So if you'd like to buy your tickets for this season on any of our days other than July 3rd, you can start doing that on March 1st online. And we have some great prices on discount season passes right now. You can purchase those at emeralddowns.com. If you're a senior, you can get a season pass for just 76 bucks. That is a heck of a deal. And all others, $119 for a season pass, 52 days of racing at Emerald Downs this year. Dancing at the Downs, we're going to have another dance night here on Saturday, uh, February 11th. It's going to be a Sticks and Boston cover band type thing, and it'll be an evening function, and you can get your tickets on sale at emeralddowns.com as well, and you can save money by buying your tickets online. Dancing at the Downs, coming up Saturday, February 11th. The WTBOA Banquet is a couple weeks after that. That'll be Saturday, February 25th. And all the Washington Bread honorees from this past year will be recognized at the Gala WTBOA Banquet, Saturday, February 25th, right here at Emerald Downs. You can get your tickets through the WTBOA. Their phone number is 253-288-7878. 288-7878-WTBOA Banquet next month. And hey, really in the news for us around the track on the whole state of Washington horse-wise is House Bill 1529 has been sponsored and introduced, and it already has uh, bipartisan backing. Uh, Joe Schmick from Eastern Washington and Chris Stearns from Western Washington, co-sponsors of the bill. And this is going to bring $6 million to the thoroughbred and horse racing industry annually from the state of Washington. That money is going to come from taxes on equine products and services. The bill, of course, was introduced last year, uh, did extremely well, passed easily in the House, got hung up in the Senate. Uh, The session ran out. And it didn't go into effect, but there's just a lot of optimism around this bill this year. And uh, it's called the Washington Equine Industry and Reinvestment Account, which was where the money would go. And here's some things that it's going to benefit. It's going to cover all the Washington Horse Racing Commission costs. So the track, meaning Emerald Downs Class 1 track, won't have to fund the commission like it has all these years. Uh, Shipping and recruitment of horses. 
equine health and safety, research, equine research, uh, track surface and long-term maintenance, veterinary staffs, security, on-duty paramedics and EMTs, starting gate personnel and outriders, money for the HBPA for medical and dental, and license uh, L&I monitoring as well. The Class C meets. Sundowns is looking very strongly to race this year after a couple of years away. Now, the Class C meets are going to benefit. The Washington Thoroughbred Breeders are going to benefit. Uh, there's going to be grants for all equine activities. And uh, you're encouraged to call or contact your representative or senator to support House Bill 1529. Those calls and emails and contacts really go a long way. They do reach the representative through their staffs. And if you want to find out more, uh, Paul Beatty of Eli Sports Network, who is concentrating a lot on uh, high school basketball this time of year and uh, all high school sports, he covers Emerald Downs quite closely, as Vince is very aware. And Robert, uh, you remember Paul from our media relations oh, yes, staff. very much. Yeah. And he, he's done a great job. He worked in Olympia in radio, news radio, mm -hmm. for several years. And he yes. knows the workings of Olympia quite well. If you want to learn more, go to uh, Eli Sports Network and click on Emerald Downs. And there's a nice long session on uh, the benefits of House Bill 1529 and how you can contact your legislators. So be aware of that. It's, it's getting to be time right now. And uh, actually, the Senate... The Washington State Senate is going to also sponsor a bill, and that facilitates things because if each house of the legislature puts a bill together, uh, then it uh, is it's easier to pass because many of the elements are common from each bill. Instead of the House doing a bill, sending it to the Senate, the Senate doesn't like a bunch of things, then they have to send it back to the House, then the House redoes things, send it back to the Senate. This way, it facilitates it. So we're looking... Uh, with some optimism for House Bill 1529. We'll have more on that on future podcasts. So uh, we will also, unfortunately, we've had some passings in the industry, which is the cycle of life. You know, Vince, it seems like we do this every podcast. Unfortunately, a uh, couple of big names, really, uh, Bob and Barbara Meeking have both passed away since our last podcast, both at the age of 94. They were born uh, six months apart back in 1928. Mm -hmm. And uh, they got together in the 80s and operated Alaire Farms. And uh, Fred Desimone in our next segment is going to join us and talk more about Bob and Barbara. So we'll do that. And Beverly Madero's passed away. And uh, Robert has such a good memory. You probably remember that name. She won some I races do. here. Oh, yeah. 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 96 through 99. Yeah. And Vince, I know you certainly yes. remember Bev Medeiros. I remember Bev and I remember Ron Medeiros. Yeah. Her husband, Her husband was a right? trainer. And one of my earliest successes in life was a Friday afternoon and early in our senior year of high school. You know, they have the early post times those days later in the fall. So we ran down there for the last two races. And Dr. Robinson with Ron Medeiros, I had five to one, paid seventy-three yeah. forty, and $170 something was a lot of money when I no was 18. Kidding. And I made the, I learned a lesson that day, though. I told my parents about it, and I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> for the next three years, lesson. whenever I asked them for money, well, what about that money you won yeah, at the track? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it was a viable, but anyway, no, that was uh, not to make light of Beverly's passing, but the Medeiros family, certainly yeah. a, a strong contributor to the state, yeah. She trained Sessions Flame, a Long Acres Stakes winner, 
a Yakima Stakes winner and an Emerald Downs winner. And there's not too many on that list that have won at Long Acres Yakima and Emerald Downs. And that's going to be part of our trivia question later on Horse Racing Northwest. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, rest in peace, Bev Medeiros, age 83. Cam Reeves also passed away. He has been a trainer in this industry. And uh, the last many years, probably uh, 20 or more, uh, he's been with his wife, Carrie, at Jones Farm in Maple Valley, operating that fine establishment. Uh, Cam, age 73, Carrie said uh, he was a private guy, didn't, you know, really want a lot of publicity. He did get cancer last year, and but she said he loved horses. He just really, really loved horses, and that uh, that was the main thing in his life, so... Uh, our condolences to Carrie Reeves and that family as well. And one significant horse passing, Border Run passed away at age 34. Mm. Only two sons or daughters of Secretariat lived in 2022. Border Run passed away in December. And the last 11 years, he's been with Curtis Wright up in the Monroe area. And of course, we did a Where Are They Now? You can go to YouTube, type in Emerald Downs Border Run, and you'll get that story. Uh, Border Run was, uh, as a young horse, was in the D-Way Lucas barn back when he was rolling in 1990. And Curtis Wright uh, helped us out with that story. So uh, some passings there. Um, As far as Bob Meeking, one thing I remember about him, I met him I knew, of course, of his name, and then I started working in the industry. One of the first few days, first weekend at the track, it might have been, uh, he had a horse in by the name of Vamp of Savannah, who was a daughter of Savannah Blue Jeans, who was a really good stakes winner from the 70s. And uh, she had won at Santa Anita. Paid she, a- first-time starter at Santa Anita, paid $99.90 to win <laughs> and won by three and a half. So she was a good thing. I guess. <laughs> and uh, so here she is in this tough allowance. And I know Vince remembers the race because we were talking about it. Not yeah, there were some good runners in yeah. there. Miss um, Zuler Gold, our legacy, who was a multiple Flag stakes Flag Flag Deloon, who's a great one winner. Yeah. So she was a closing sprinter, Vamp of Savannah. And I, I didn't know Meeking, but he had a lot of personality. I noticed right from the start. And here she is trailing all these good fillies. She's about nine or ten lengths in front of the second to last horse mm-hmm. as they approach the quarter pole and right at the quarter pole he starts rooting really hard i'm thinking what the <laughs> heck this guy's been around a while this horse has no chance she's got no ch-. and he's wow. rooting and rooting and she's getting closer and now she just really kicks it in and she got beat about a half length uh uh, Miss Sulu Gold won that race. Our legacy won oh, it. Our legacy won it over Miss Sulu Gold. And 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 uh, Vampa Savannah was way out in yeah. the middle of the racetrack too, which made it even harder to yeah. to see how much ground she was closing. So it was really uh, quite a run. Yeah, he knew his filly, and uh, we'll get more from Freddie Desimone, and uh, we'll take a timeout right now and come back with owner Fred Desimone as we return on Horse Racing Northwest. 
Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining, as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first. 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. A few 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in a state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit national gambling support line 800-522-4700. They hit the top of the lane. Dynamo Dixie comes off the turn in front as they head for home. Dynamo Dixie digs in at the inside just over a final furlong to go. But right there to challenge is Trelawney. And Trelawney's rising to the occasion now. Dynamo Dixie back to second and the rest are far back. And it'll be the 11-year-old Trelawney to win it by two. And that was Trelawney winning at Emerald Downs in September of 2018. That 11-year-old's last career victory, trained by Bob Meeking and owned by Fred and Cindy Desimone. And I know that was a, a fine and fun day for the Desimones and Bob Meeking. A lot of smiles down there. And joining us is owner Fred Desimone here on Horse Racing Northwest. Freddie, good afternoon, and uh, I'm sure you remember that day. Oh, I do. It's one of my fond memories. I loved having that horse with Bob. It was, uh, It's really fun when plans come together. Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, just a tough occasion. Freddie was quite close to the Meekings the last several years, uh, and Bob was his local trainer. And, and Freddie's had a lot of thrills in racing all around the country, actually, and uh, from Snohomish and uh, great supporters of Emerald Downs. I know you've made a lot of friends here. And, uh, of course, we mentioned in our first segment that Bob and Barbara have both passed away at age 94 and just... Uh, just tremendous influences in this state's thoroughbred industry. Uh, that that's pretty trite, but it's true, and 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 you can expand on that, Freddie. Yeah, it was horrible to get the news yesterday morning about Barbara. Um, mm -hmm. Cindy and I planned on going over there yesterday and uh, saying our last goodbyes to her. We knew she was close. Um, um, she really struggled uh, the last week of Bob's life, and then. Um, she was in a lot of pain for the remaining days she had. They uh, had her on morphine and got that under control for the last few weeks. So, um, you know, in, in my heart, I hope that she wasn't in a, a whole lot of pain. But, yeah. uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's all part of life. I, I loved that couple dearly. They um, were real inspirations to Cindy and I. 
Now that that's great to be close to them. And, you know, we've all got our Bob Meeking stories. I just told one earlier about uh, the first time I ever saw him watch a horse race and he was rooting for this horse that was hopelessly beaten, beaten a vamp of Savannah in the eighties. And, and darned if she didn't win and one stride past the wire, she was in front. And I, I learned never to doubt Bob Meeking after that, but he just had a ton of personality. Uh, Riding his bicycle last year at Emerald Downs, even. Oh, well, maybe not last year. Yeah, I saw him in the golf cart in 2022. But previous to that, he was riding the bicycle out to watch training in his 90s. And um, how'd you get hooked up with him in the first place? Um, I used to sit in the grandstands with Greg Geyser, and he was a couple boxes away. And uh, I made the mistake of claiming a horse with Blaine one day from Mr. Meeking. <laughs> and... Uh, I I heard the wrath from him, and we got uh, talking over the years. And I always promised him that uh, I would get get a horse with him. And uh, he had a couple of homebreds that we got involved in with one of them being Chrissy's wedding, and um, and um, in I think it was 2017, uh, maybe 2016 when. Uh, Trelawney was running down at Golden Gate. I said, hey, I got a old horse that I want to claim and bring up to you. And he said, that's fine. Tim McKenna claimed it for me. Bill McLean, I used him down there, and also Blaine. And they told me how And we brought him up to um, Emerald Downs, and Bob uh, fell in love with the horse. And uh, even the last uh, month of his life, uh, the horses with Katie Merwick ah. at the retirement center. And we get stories all the time about Trelawney. And he, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't up there with Mintspeak, but I think it was maybe <laughs> in his top five. So. Yeah. Um, you can also go to our YouTube channel, Emerald Downs, type in Emerald Downs, Alaire Farms, and, and you'll see a story we did about 10 years ago out at Alaire Farms outside of Paul's Bow. And then Bob and Barbara, of course, uh, were the, were the, were the the mainstays of that story. Um, and Trelawney was an older horse. He won at age 11 there, that final win that we just heard. Um, and you did something really nice. In fact, again, I mentioned the first segment, you claimed Kingmeister in the Midwest last year. And you did it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you credit. You did it uh, in large part that Bob Meeking would have a horse to start in the Long Acres Mile in, in his career, uh, late in his career, Freddie. And, and that's uh, that was spending some significant money. And you got some back at, in last fall down south, but uh, was that yeah. part of the idea of claiming Kingmeister? That was 100% the okay. idea. Um, I wanted to get him a horse in the Long Acres Mile. We tried. Um, over the last two years, I'm uh, two for... 27 in horses we tried to claim out of Churchill. Oh, boy. I've lost every shake I've been involved in with two horses that we got um, no one else went in for. Hmm. I also claimed a horse down at Golden Gate for the mile that didn't pass the vet report or didn't pass after we claimed it. And uh, But it was entirely to get Bob a start in the mile. Well, that was really, really nice of you because Bob knows his racing history and knew it uh, like anybody. And, and for a little young guy from 
uh, Victoria, B.C. or thereabouts. Uh, he got his training license in the 1940s. And Santa Anita was Nirvana in horse racing back then and, you know, still is the great race place. But uh, he does still mention mincemeat winning two derbies, but winning his first race ever. I mean, the first race he ever won at Santa Anita was just an enormous thrill. And I'm sure you've talked about things like that with him over the years, Freddie. Oh, I've, I've loved his stories. And I, um, his horse racing stories are great, but his personality was just um, amazing. I want to kind of expand on your story about him riding that bike back in the yeah. backside. Um, I, I think it was my, or 2020. He took 2021 off and mm-hmm. then he was back in 2022. So it was 2020. He was uh, on the way to the track from the backside and he fell off his bike right in front of the quarter chute. And he, he uh, called me later that day and said, I think I'm done riding my bike. It's the biggest embarrassment I could possibly have was all my friends watching me fall. Um, uh, he just, uh, it, I thought uh, to be riding a bike at 90 is, uh, I said, that, you know, next thing you'll tell me is that you're going to stop driving. And he drove until the last uh, month of his life. Yeah. Often over, people. often over very to pick people up. like him. Oh yeah. And you know, and you love to laugh. You and your wife, Cindy have such oh. a great time at the track. Uh, you get along with oh. everybody and Bob, uh, Bob had quite the sense of humor too, didn't he? Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he loved calling me wherever we were. You know, we, we traveled quite a bit, like you said, for horse racing. And, um, last year we took, we went to the Kentucky Derby with uh, Tim McKenna and Jan and Bill McLean. And we called from the back of uh, backyard of Grant Forrester's house. He always has a house party back there. And uh, I told him next year, um, I want to take you and Barbara back here. Cause he always told me, you know, you never go to the Derby as a trainer unless it's with your horse. Um, mm. But when I called him, he said, you know, you guys sound like you're having so much fun, and you made me read that article that was in the New York Times. He said, I'm telling Barbara to start getting ready now, because that's going to take her that long. But I can just pack a small bag, and we'll go. Wow. That's... He, it, his sense of humor and wit were just amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we experienced it all the time. And he, he had his opinions on things, too. And Vince, Vince, you've been around him a lot. Yeah, you know, when I was down in California, he Bob would come down for the winter sometimes. He always at Clocker's Corner, he'd sit at a table with Mel Studi, and they had their regular coffee clatch. And I remember one time asking Mel, who everyone knows is a great horseman, I said, hey, how did you get to know Bob? He goes, I've known the guy for 50 years. And he goes, and there isn't a more interesting man in this world than than Bob Meeking. He goes, we disagree on a lot of stuff, but he's just a fascinating guy. And he's a hell of a trainer too. I mean, it was just the highest compliment. Yeah, that's great. And um, Bob certainly had his own personality and he was very opinionated. And Barbara, Barbara was no shrinking violet either. She... <laughs> grew up around horses. Boy, I bet you they had a lot of discussions, let's call them, at home. And then Bob spent most of the racing season at the track, but uh, they certainly had a great place out there at Allaire, and they were around uh, animals that they loved, horses. And uh, you probably saw them getting a couple of uh, disagreements over the uh, years. 
Um, I, well, it's like Cindy and I. We just discuss things sure. a little louder than people think. <laughs> you know, when <laughs> it's not really an argument. It's just uh, trying to make your point. Uh, I, I remember, uh, I think it was 2012 when they got a Lifetime Achievement Award from That's, Washington State yep. Readers Association. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbara uh, told me this story a couple months ago and refreshed my memory that uh, Bob was speaking and, um, about the farm and how Barbara raises all of these uh, stakes winners and allowance winners. And when she sends them over to him, he turns them into cheap claimers. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, that. <laughs> That was a good line. I mean, they just, uh, they loved each other dearly. It was, uh, uh, she had her way of doing things on the, at, at the farm. And once they, once the horses came to the track, she tended to stay out of, the, of Bob's way. Bob was the trainer and she was the breeder. Um, um, she, we bred a mare over there and, uh, uh, she came into heat when Cindy and I were there and, Barbara said to Cindy, do you want to go watch this? It's really... Cindy goes, no, I don't think I need to see that. And Cindy goes, oh, yeah, you... Or Barbara said to Cindy, oh, yeah, I'm sure you know what's going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it, they were quite the cup. Barbara was a, just a really, really interesting person, uh, you know, well-educated and loved horses from her teenage years and uh, just uh, a life of of her own and they they met you know a little bit later in life in in the 1980s there and and got married and and ran a lair and um just to transmission transition a little bit back to mincemeat uh, i started going out to the track in 71 and i think mincemeat had won the the long acres derby the year before i believe it was 1970 not positive it wasn't any later but uh that horse and vince started going out in the later 70s he would win, Bob would have him in Southern California and then give him a bunch of time off and he'd bring him back in July or August and he'd win off a layoff like three or four times in the 70s, even at age nine. Uh, yeah, I've got the winter circle pictures that Bob yeah. had brought in and there, I mean, on on uh, archived and uh, a lot of times at big prices too. Yeah. And they would win clear. Yeah, it was just a professional racehorse with a professional trainer and uh it was magical he'd had uh who was the other one uh salad sam you mentioned mm-hmm. uh bucksaw was another one a closer that came to mind um yeah i'll tell you his most recent one that won every first start is wheel rally wheel that's Rally's right every yeah time in, every time emerald downs open that's you know, he, and he it, ran first or second in his first start again this past season right freddie yep yeah wheel yeah. rally and he came off his first injury ever yeah. We, had, we had shipped him down to Del Mar to run him in the ship and win program down there. And um, Mark Clot noticed something uh, the, the day after we entered him. And uh, um, his check ligament was uh, uh, a little off. So we sent him back up to the farm and Bob took care of him over the winter and brought him back and he won his first out. Yeah. And, and you guys uh, do a lot of claiming you and Cindy. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, so did you consult Bob much on, uh, claim opportunities so like on Kingmeister? Did you, uh, consult him on that or, uh, Bob always knew what horses I was going after. Okay. And he, he said, do not bring me another closer. <laughs> um, so we wanted something that, uh, 
good run near the pace and uh um, um King Meister just uh the, he was he was a tired horse when we ran him in the mile unfortunately um, yeah it's not an easy just, race as you know Freddie's Freddie's uh, supported yeah. the mile really strongly over the years with the uh, purchases and claims and uh, we always are rooting for people that yeah. do that, and I, I certainly hope you get in that winter circle one of these years. And you'll be thinking about Bob when you do. I know that we will. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, I uh, bought a Nyquist Colt at the sale mm. this year, and his name is Meeking. Is that right? Oh, that is yeah, fantastic. He's a, almost black Colt, and uh, he'll, he's over in uh, at Tim's farm. He's been broke and. He's coming along real well, and he'll go down to Bill McLean in California. You know, I'm pretty sure he's going to go to Bill and um, get ready for the, hopefully a two-year-old year. But when he he's going to, I'm going to bring him up. He's a two-year-old stakes, so hopefully he's going to be good enough to to uh, run in one of those stakes, either as a two-year-old or three-year-old. But now, he's going to come down old at some point. That would be great, Bill McLean. Uh... Former or a native of Canada as well, and a contemporary, and, and, and a friend of Bob's. He you used bet. to Bob used to come out to their farm all the time mm-hmm. and have barbecues and stuff. I've heard tremendous uh, stories uh, yeah. um, Bill, from Bill about Bob. Yeah, Bill's sister Terry Forster, Dave Forster's wife, and the mother of uh, Grant and Drew Forster. Grant. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, any yep. word on any services uh, for the Meekings? Um, the last, I talked to Emily and I've talked to rule, um, rule has, rule would like to do something at the racetrack mm-hmm. and then, um, I, it will, they'll probably do it once the track opens, probably in May or something, Excellent. but, uh, uh, the funeral services, I believe are going to be private for the family, but there will be a celebration of both of their lives. Uh, and I know the last time I talked to her, especially for Bob, they were, they wanted to do something at Emerald Downs. Okay, very good. Well, you can hear the solemn tone in Fred Desimone's voice, uh, a big loss for him personally and, and for the Washington thoroughbred industry. The What a great life, though. You you said that, Freddie, uh, great lives oh. of Bob and Barbara Meeking. Both. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people I've met in horse racing. Um, um, Glenn Kelly has had a tremendous influence on my life. Bob, Barbara, um, they know how to live life correctly. Um, but it's, you need to have fun and smile and make people happy. And those people certainly do. Yeah. Boy, the knowledge in, in Bob's mind on thoroughbred horses and racing was just uh, too bad we couldn't save that somehow. But uh we want to remember when, Bob today. When you say either one of the Meeking's names, it makes me smile. Yeah, that's you know, great. Call and ask it, Bob or Barbara. So they're really, really fond memories. I, I knew them very much, very late in their lives, but mm-hmm. they're very blessed to have met them. Very good. Well, thanks much, Freddie, for joining us and, and uh, your words on the Thank path. you guys and all the best and success to you. Three. Thanks, Fred. Thanks, Freddie. Thank you. Take care. Great talking to you. Fred Desimone joining us on Horse Racing Northwest and talking about Bob and Barbara Meeking. And uh, that stretch run we played at the top of the segment, Trelawney winning. Listen to this one, Vince. 
Trelawney was winning at Woodbine while mm-hmm. Robert Geller was calling here. Then Robert Geller went to Woodbine and Trelawney came up and won at Emerald Downs. So, That's uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. started his career at Woodbine. The horse was a stakes winner at Woodbine, I do believe. Yeah, wow. he was a good horse yeah. and won That's a bunch awesome. of races. You know, he mentioned a horse called Me King. There used to be one. I think yeah. it was called Me, Me King. King. Two words, but yeah. it was certainly named after That's, Bob as well. So Yeah, that was in the mid to late 80s. But I sure, I sure hope Fred does bring the horse up here for our two-year-old program that'd be a lot of fun to uh in honor of of bob and barbara that'd be fantastic okay we'll take a break uh oh i did have one other greg conley who is uh part of paddock partners and of course greg and chuck conley uh owners very prominent owners second in our owner standings again this past year and uh greg was wanted to pass on that he was very grateful to work with uh barb and and Bob Meeking, wonderful individuals. Uh, they opened their home and farm to us, meaning Greg and his father, and because Greg and his father uh, got into the stud business with Polish Gift, Polish Miner, and Trail City, and they were all standing at a lair. Uh, Greg says they will be dearly missed. Their legacy in horse racing will always be remembered. So nice words from Greg Conley there. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more. And Robert Geller again joining us here on Horse Racing Northwest. The biggest and best of the Northwest just got even better. Introducing the all-new Muckleshoot Rewards Program with three tiers and extraordinary benefits. Play with your Muckleshoot Rewards card to earn points for free play and qualify for dining discounts, gifts, and much more. The more you play, the more you earn. Enjoy more benefits than ever before with the new Muckleshoot Rewards Program. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. And into the lane in the autumn stakes. On the outside, War Bomber issues a threat now. And back and forth, Highland Estate. And down the outside is Frosted Over. But out in front, Treason challenged by War Bomber. War Bomber grinding home on the outside and has ranged up to join Treason. And trying to fly home is Who's the Star and is doing just that. Who's the Star? Absolutely out the ground and will get up and win. A mighty performance and honors here for Who's the Star in the autumn stakes from War Bomber Treason. Who's the star? Boy, if you haven't seen that race on video from last November 6th at Woodbine, uh, go to uh, YouTube. I know you can find it there. Robert Geller called Who's the Star winning the Autumn Stakes. And Robert, I know you remember that one really well. I certainly do because there's a horse that I love the style of closers. And this was a, a traditional deep, deep closer coming from a tail end position and Honestly, I, I often love to think that I can pick up a horse in the run, but sometimes with Who's the Star, you just think, well, this horse is just too far out of the run to win. But in a number of occasions, I've been amazed at the ability of this horse to win and close. Found what I call a purple patch of form at Woodbine, because before Woodbine, had some wins. Tampa, I think, was a winner there and a couple of tracks, but really came into uh, their own at that track. Is it, is it a synthetic it. horse or a turf horse? Uh, both. both, actually. Yeah. Okay. One on turf first for the Mark Cassie barn and was one of the three in the in the field for Mark Cassie and then really did well on, on the Tapita. So oh, very man. versatile horse. Vince, you got to watch these races. Mm-hmm. They are incredible. Uh, Robert, I, I asked him, you know, pick out a, a call that uh, you'd like to lead into the segment with and he, oh, maybe who's the star? Maybe the race before the dead heat and... And then he'd, he'd won two races before a dead heat win. And I looked at the first one and 
he kind of got left, but then I later found out watching the second one, no, he just falls out of the gate. He doesn't even run early, and Emma Jane Wilson gets him right over to the rail yeah. and then yeah. makes her decisions later. But in, in this one that we played, he was that race he was nowhere i mean everybody forgot about because there was like four or five contenders that were one of the, the five was going to win but no who's the star one that that's one of the rarest birds in racing is is the consistent deep closer that wins yes you, you think of like a striker phd at emerald downs is in mm -hmm. yada on a national scene turbulator turbulator and that's one of the reasons they're so popular because they're very rare yes. i mean because to to pass all the horses, you usually need things to fall in right pace-wise and trip-wise and all that. But That's certain right. horses That's right. are so good, they can overcome that, you know. That's so true. Well, Robert's in town. Robert Geller has a house in Tacoma. And, uh, boy, if you need to rent a really nice house that was... I, I, I did a stint there. That's right. You yeah, lived there for a while. There. Beautiful house. Yeah. yeah. It's built in the early 1900s. Yeah, or, 1909. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's great to have you in town and That's back at Emerald Downs, Robert. And uh, Robert was, of course, uh, an original Emerald Downs guy with uh, many of us. And uh, it's good to have you back. Uh, and shoot, I've, I've told Robert, I tell many people, you know, you watch these woodbine races in the fall. Uh, after our meet is over, I can start watching them. And, and they've got all these. you got a 12 horse, an 11 horse, a 10 horse, a 12, a 13 horse field, like right in a row on a weekend. And he never says the same thing twice. No, Vince. that's it. And that's what I've always said, too. And uh, that's why, you know, nothing against the Trevor Denmans of the world. Yeah. They certainly have their fans. But when you can create a, 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 a like an artist with a, a an easel, a different sketch every time, and that's Robert is is not only good at that; he's a master of the language too. Which, exactly, which really makes it enjoyable. The know? names flow, Robert. Uh, our kudos to you, man. Excellent yeah. job in your business. Well, I really appreciate your and, kind and, words. <laughs> and one <laughs> other so thing, sweet. Robert just said too. And in addition to being the wordsmith, but the the ability to pick up the horse that's yeah. that. That not to, you know, the casual observer, maybe not going to realize this horse is going to be in play in the stretch. Robert, you've got that figured out. You know, you can see it setting up for a given horse. And if you say so-and-so so is getting a run of the race or is looking good or whatever, you can take it to the bank. Yeah. Wow. I love yeah. that part of the race call. That's my, that's one of the, my greatest joys in the craft is to be able to sort of sense that, you know. Yeah. 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 I love that part. Um, but, but you can't force it because it's a very, no, it's no. a very, if you, you do, you, you're, you're going to make nothing but trouble for yourself. That's an so true. <laughs> Forcing anything in, in a race call, I feel. And uh, of late, I don't know what it is, but when it is in the post parade, I've really enjoyed sort of developing that similar type of uh, attention to tuning in with how they look in the post parade. Yeah. And uh, I've really started to appreciate that of all the years I've been doing yeah. this, you're still learning all the time. It's incredible how much you just bring things together but no i appreciate your kind words because i do uh love the craft of, of race calling yeah and you have uh, mastered it and like you said you're learning all the time which uh, robert's uh, very young at heart we'll say that and uh yeah um and you replaced a legend there at woodbine dan yes. lovely man. Was, dan wazell is a lovely person was he over there 30 yeah. years i think over 30 um, years yeah 33 okay yeah started in the standard breads as well as uh continuing on to being the number one caller. There's only been three uh, track announcers. I'm the third. Daryl Wells. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. I nice met Daryl Wells Jr. That's super um, trivia right yeah. there. I wouldn't have known yes, that one. That's right. I used to get those on the CBC okay. growing up, you know, and they they, they would run the, the, Woodbine was a big track, still is, and they'd show uh, Canadian TV, they'd show all the 
features from okay. Woodbine, and Daryl Wells was mm-hmm. always the oh, voice, yes. with Jim Bannon on the analysis. Yes, and I worked with Jim uh, in the pre-race show uh, a, a number of times, and uh, actually he um, called on me to be assisting him with the Hall of Fame uh, last year, so that was really neat. Excellent. And, and you did a little more TV work this past meet, didn't I you, did. than a few meets before? Yes, I was on a little bit, but this last year quite a lot because uh, Jason Portwondo decided who was the co-anchor with Jeff Bratt, who's been a long-time lead anchor uh, on the shows. He uh, wants to be a steward, so he's been in training. And there was a bit of a, a break in a gap because Dawn Lupel, who you've had on the show mm-hmm. many times, had also uh, left Woodbine at that point. So uh, we weren't sure how that played out, but they said, would you be willing to go on? And I said, well, absolutely, because I really enjoy uh, doing uh, my handicapping, even if it's successful or not. And then talking about the races, it gets you further into the call, really. But also working with Jeff was great and having the opportunity to do things that expand you, really. So I did a lot, quite a lot this year. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh that's great. We love to see you on there because Robert, uh, he's pretty perceptive on those long shots. Uh, you he bet. Picked a lot. He's in. not affected by the the tote board as some announcers naturally would be, you know. But uh, that uh, <laughs> if a horse is running good, Robert's on it. Doesn't matter if it's ninety to one or eight to five. Yeah, no, and, it's interesting uh, too because uh, yeah, I never look at the morning line when I make my selection before I. And yeah. then after I've made my picks, then I'll go to the morning line. I'll go, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Joe's kind of similar I, to that. I do that too. Yeah. And I, I do eventually like to look at the morning line to Likewise, see you know, yes, later. how, how uh, far, what the price is going to be. Yeah. And, uh, but Robert uh, loves to handicap as well. And uh, how about life up there in the Toronto area? I enjoy it. I mean, I, I think it's just just an adventure. I mean, I've been so, so blessed to be on this adventuresome journey, and I, I feel like yeah. it's kept me fresh. It's kept me mm-hmm. in, interested, and racing to me um, is interesting always. But to have an opportunity to call it Woodbine, uh, working here was incredible. Working there, I think the skills that I'd learned that you had helped me so much with to develop have helped me uh, to get a foothold there and I know that Dan Wazell has a tremendous following and he was very supportive in the transition nice. and it was interesting because Matt was transitioning into this job at the same time as I was and we had a lot of similar feelings despite our age differences and so it was a really nice period of time and I feel like uh, there's been a tremendous community there just like I got to know the community here so uh, the lifestyle there is much more I, I mean east coast life is a little more high density living apartment living and there's been a lot of adjustments and living as a journeyman rider I'm sure a lot of jockeys have had to deal with uh, lifestyles of two places and maybe more and so I've got used to that but it is difficult in some ways to balance it all but I do think it's been uh, it's worked out but I you know I, I find that uh, yeah being outside of the United States is a bit odd because I feel like I'm certainly very connected to all my friends and oh, yeah. all the people who have been a part of my life here. So I'm just saying, well, I'm blessing the fact that I'm now opening up to an amazing experience in Canada. There's so many beautiful areas to discover. I particularly love Quebec City. I particularly like the Montreal area. How far is that from Toronto? French. It's a five and a half hour drive okay. to Montreal and then another hour and a half probably to Quebec City. And I spent two months in Quebec City in the winters actually. Um, one month was uh, on purpose because I really wanted to experience the uh, winter there in December. And then in COVID, when everything was shut and I was kind of trapped in Canada in a sense, I decided I'd take a little respite in uh, Quebec City. Beautiful place. Beautiful. I have parents, of course, who lived in Montreal for many years and uh, been up 
spent time in Montreal, but in Quebec City, whereas Montreal is a lot French, Quebec City is all French. It's just wow. d'accord. And it's still one of the all-time <laughs> ripoffs that they lost their NHL team there. I really, oh, I'm as, there as, and as bitter rivals as Montreal and Quebec City were, it really, uh, it hurts to see that happen. They moved to Colorado. Of course, Denver's a big thing and all that, but it was just... Um, they, I don't, I, it was, it, it, to me, it's kind of like the, the way the Seattle lost. Were the, the fans supporting the team? Yes, they were. Oh, yeah, very that, much that's, so. That's terrible. And yeah, and it was, uh, and now they even built a new arena under the premise that they were going to get a team, and they haven't. So um, they've gotten, uh, I, I feel like Quebec City fans uh, in hockey feel like Seattle fans do in the NBA. Okay. Very similar. We, yeah. You can mm-hmm. certainly yeah. relate to that. Yeah. But anyway, your point is well taken. A beautiful area. In Gorgeous. fact, uh, yeah. yeah, Quebec is, uh, is a very beautiful province. Yes, I, I really fell in love with it. I had been there, actually. And oddly enough, I took a trip when I was in Hong Kong. It was on the off-season. It was 1993. And for some reason, it was just by chance that I landed going to Toronto and Quebec at the same visit. So I always had a feeling for the area. And in Toronto, Tony Cruz was the leading jockey in Hong Kong. He and I never discussed our summer plans. I turned up just to want to see the track at Woodbine. And the uh, director of racing said, are you with Tony? And I said, I didn't even know he was here. They had all these events planned. And I was so very much in the right spot at the right time to experience the whole region of Toronto. And it was oddly enough, the Breeders' Stakes, which was the third leg of the Canadian Triple Crown, won by Pitsky. And it was a very small field, but I watched that and I thought, wow, what a lovely track. Did he Win the Triple Crown that year? Yeah, 1993. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that's right. You just mentioned a jockey. Give us a couple, three names of jockeys that you think are really accomplished up there at Woodbine. We'll keep our eye on them next year. One of them who is now no longer, he retired, was such a big part of my first number of years. There was Eureka Rosa de Silva. Okay. He was incredible in a finish. And now he retired early. He decided to become a a sports... uh, uh, enthusiast, motivational speaker, and he's incredible. Uh, Rafael Hernandez, I love saying it that way. He is a great writer, and I love the fact that Kazushi Kimura has done so very well. Kazushi's trying to break into Santa He had a stakes win the he other has day. two stakes wins in the last two weeks, yeah. I'm so happy for him because we saw him at the very beginning. You know, wow. He had trained at the apprentice school, and so had Daisuke Fukumoto, who's another Japanese writer, and they started there at Woodbine, and they had... Uh, very little understanding of English and neither did we of, of what um, their potential was. But Kazushi uh, is a very uh, ambitious young man with a very clear head of, of, of what he wants and very respectful and has done extremely well. And Mark Cassie's given him a lot of opportunities lately, but he's really made his way. And Daisuke Fukumoto, he has been the money rider in big races for uh, upset wins, such as in the Woodbine Mile with Town Cruise, who got on the lead and on what was an upset win of the Queen's Plate with Mighty Heart. And he himself is also very humble. So the Japanese international influence has been terrific for Woodbine. And Emma Jane, as you mentioned, is a solid finishing rider. Uh, she's a seasoned rider at, uh, at the racetrack there and has been a very big ambassador across the world. She participates quite often in these events that are run um, uh, at uh, Ascot. And she knows a lot of the uh, leading jockeys in the world, and they uh, there's great respect. And she's often won in these invitationals. How about and she's uh, riding that? Who's the star in the Pegasus Turf Cup? Uh, oh, great! She's, she's going to ride him on Saturday. Uh, yeah. And uh, how about uh, Eswan Flores? I noticed he yes, was up there, and right. he had a good run of success down here. And uh, it seems to get a few winners up there, huh? Absolutely. I think it's a good time for him to be there because, in a way, there are some jockeys who are at the tail end of their uh, careers, and so. 
fresh blood coming in and with the potential for uh, increased opportunities, he too was getting uh, better opportunities with Mark Cassie as well. And not that he's the only one, but that's certainly a big step forward. And, you know, I think as one, uh, he, I got to know him quite well, actually. And he's, uh, he's very dedicated to being there. He, he's, in his way, very thoughtful about how to take uh, constructive uh, suggestions from any of the people around him. Uh, he he really wants to break in more, and I think he's he's definitely going to be able to. I was really happy to see him do well. That's great. Yeah, very good. And uh, Woodbine starts their meet in. That's a good April? question. Officially okay. not out yet, but we think it's the 15th potentially of April or the 22nd of April. Okay. Yeah, um, because the. Uh, Sovereign Awards are going to be on the 13th of April. And I wanted to just mention Find Our Star because I forgot to mention about Bob Meeking, who was, I believe, an incredibly good value trainer in terms of when I used to look at the form and I used to think, gosh, these horses get under the radar with him. And always was very kind and very well-spoken when I got a chance to to interact with him. But Find Our Star and that stretch run with B. Charlie. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, my gosh. I remember thinking... Which way? Which way? It was a head bob the whole way down the stretch. That is a great. Was a phenomenal shot. horse to find I've, our I've star. I've got a finish line picture of that, and uh, unfortunately, find our star lost that. Unfortunately for me and connections, uh. but uh, <laughs> he won our first Derby. Find our yes. star. Wow. With Meeking in charge, and he also won an older horse stakes race. I think it was it might have been the Independence. Independence Day Handicap. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, really fine. Son of Star to Nascar. Yeah, find our star. And Fred, I think, is one of the best dressed people in horse racing. <laughs> Freddie? Yeah, he really is. Fred Desimone. <laughs> yeah, and his theories on life there are pretty good. Because yeah, yeah. he, he lives what he preaches there. I, no one has more fun than Fred and Cindy at yes, the racetrack. <laughs> yeah. They, they love to come here and smile. That is great. Uh, and Robert, uh, we also are going to be hearing you, I think, in, uh, at another track here before Woodbine starts. Yeah, is I've that, been asked. Uh, can we talk about that? I hope so. Okay. I, I, I'm going, well, I'll just share that, you know, yeah. I was asked by Sam Houston to fill in for their announcer there because he's involved in a handicapping contest. So for three days, and I think part of that is because there's a relationship that's built recently between the Woodbine track and Sam Houston since they can't have their signal better yeah. within the United right. States, but they yeah. can from that's Woodbine. Right. So that's allowed that Oh, they can at Woodbine. Yeah. yeah. Out, okay. of, out of the U.S. Yeah, you know? I see. We oh, that's a bummer. We won't be able to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the think, way things stand. I was getting all excited. Now we're... <laughs> yeah. Okay. That wasn't the greatest. But have a good trip back to... Yeah, it'll be fun to go to Houston for yeah. you. Yeah, I like that city, actually. Okay. All right. Well, Robert is uh, going to join us in sports shorts. And I'll say this. Uh, Robert kind of adopted the New York Jets and the New I York Giants in the late 90s, right when he got here. And the Jets got Bill Parcells right away, and then they became good. And so he's more of a Jet, much more of a Jet fan than a Giant. But he's also a pretty darn good NFL fan overall. His his recollection and uh, his interest in the NFL is high. And Robert had uh he told me who was going to win these uh six wild card games mm-hmm. over saturday sunday and monday he was six for six in those. wow four favorites and two underdogs one and he he picked them all and you were halfway looking for a place to do a parlay but you didn't find one unfortunately and but gosh that, was, that jacksonville game was yeah but, but they've been winning that way they've been closing yeah, as yeah. i call it you know yeah and yeah yeah I'm, I'm a little fan of theirs yeah 
Giants were a you know slight underdog to Minnesota. He picked two underdogs. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It was funny. I went on the show with Jeff and we talked about uh, this was a long time before this playoffs. And I said, you know, I think Minnesota honestly will be the very first team to go out. They'll have the greatest record and they'll be out the first round. Yeah. You Me were, and Joe talked about that. Yeah. They were they were kind of a, a counterfeit team this year. They yeah. they got outscored. I felt that. We got lucky in our fantasy draft because we picked Hawkinson, who had a tremendous game against the Giants. We got a few points out of him. Right. But their record for the year was at 13-4. and four, Yeah. And they were outscored, which is yeah. almost impossible, it, that, which kind of tells you a lot about their team I'm right going to go on record saying that is never going to happen again. <laughs> no 13-4 and four team is going to get outscored in total points. It really is very difficult to do. I was just disappointed the Jets didn't make the playoffs because I thought they had a real shot. They were rolling early. And they really were. They beat Buffalo. They were actually quite competitive. And then something happened with their quarterback situation yeah. and everything went you know. awry. And, and I do believe they still got potential. I really do. I was running on, back Hall. He got hurt. Brees Hall's great. I was on the New York Post this morning. And of course, I think Nathaniel Hackett is signing as their offensive coordinator. And he's... Pretty close to Aaron Rodgers, so the New York yeah, tabloids are running I with Rodgers to the New York Jets. So, so worries me though because my feeling on the Jets is they always mismanage in terms of picking. You know, I call them. I wouldn't say they've hacks, missed on a couple of quarterbacks. People who've had yeah, their careers, fantastic have. careers, but they're past yeah, their Brett prime. Yeah, Brett Favre being one, and we've had. I think Rogers. Joe Flacco. I'm not a big fan personally, but I think he's probably got a few good years left. I'd Joe. say so, but not that many. You know, <laughs> they they looked stuck this year and done, yeah. and then uh, they picked it up, and he he didn't have his best receiving core. That's for sure. We'll this see. Year. Okay, so a sports short. Was there a sports short in there from Robert, or do you want to make a, some sort of comment? Maybe on well, the... you know what I, I I'd like to say that if if I was to say who I think deserves to win the Super Bowl okay. this year, I think it's Philly. I really do. I thought all along they were the best team, whether they win the Super Bowl or not. I think, and I do think whoever comes up against either San Fran or Philly will have their have their. Uh, it'll be tough. I think they'll. I think one of those two teams yeah. will win. That's going to be exciting because uh, you know we know Cincinnati's won three straight games against Kansas City, playoffs in regular season. Joe Burrow's 3-0 yeah. and against and Mahomes. And, and that side is going to be interesting okay. as well. So, Vince? On my sports short, following a similar vein, okay. uh, if Brock Purdy and the 49ers win Sunday, Brock Purdy would be the first rookie quarterback to start a Super Bowl, the youngest quarterback to start a Super Bowl, the first third-string quarterback to begin the year to start a oh. Super Bowl, the lowest-drafted quarterback start a Super Bowl, 262nd overall, Jeez. and the first seventh-round pick that. QB to start a Super Bowl. I believe Brady was a sixth-round pick. Yeah, he so. was sixth. Yeah. So, and, and, and he's made a believer out of me. Yeah. I'm certainly no expert when it comes to uh, assessing, you know, how great some guys are or whatever, but the guy has game. I mean, he's... Uh, He's not. He's not just a game manager, as they say. So, and, and I fo followed his career fairly and closely at Iowa State, and he had a really good college career. I think he might have started four years, but the first game he came in when Garoppolo got hurt in the first quarter, he completed twenty-five balls that game. Brock Purdy. I I looked at that box score. And That's I thought, some moxie there. That yeah. is amazing yeah. for a third-string quarterback to come in and complete twenty-five balls. That's a confident talented yeah. player there do so, something like that that's some good numbers there hey okay my sport short uh lebron james is getting really close to passing kareem abdul jabbar for the all-time leading score in the history of the nba <laughs> what a coveted lofty spot that is and there's a lot of talk about uh you know the greatest player of all time and so forth uh, i'm just going to go over a few stats here um 
Career average, Michael Jordan, 30.1. LeBron James, uh, 27.2. Uh, career uh, free throw percentage, 83% for Jordan, 73% for LeBron. Um, career field goal percentage, uh, let's see, where do I have that? 50.5 for LeBron, which is really good. Oh, 53% for Jordan. Um, NBA Finals. LeBron, four wins, six losses in the finals. Michael Jordan, six wins, zero losses. Scoring titles, Michael Jordan, 10. LeBron James, one. Mm -hmm. Defense, both really good. Shot blocking definitely goes to LeBron. He has made some amazing block shots in his career. And uh, Shooting definitely goes to Jordan. That's just the one knock that on the That block shot in game seven yeah. against the, the, uh, that was one the, of the Warriors most... is one of the greatest plays yeah. I've ever seen. It was. And uh, LeBron, you know, I really have rooted for LeBron. But I, I, with those, all those numbers there, um, I just could not even put him ahead of Michael Jordan as uh, an all-time, uh, on the all-time great list. Michael Jordan still up there. So that's my sport short. And uh, LeBron's going to set a, a, a really tremendous record here real soon. You know, in case he's listening, I don't want to think we've forgotten Bill Downs, who's usually here. Um, we've been singular, singularly fortunate here to have course Robert and then uh, Matt Dinnerman for a couple of years and Bill stepped right in last year you know you guys are kind of a fraternity in the yes, announcement I imagine you know Bill a little bit I haven't had a chance to actually get to meet him uh, he's doing a great job and yeah, I was and so delighted yes yeah. I really am happy that he's here for um, uh, for us and I really think uh, everyone is very close really in this community I, I definitely would look forward to getting to see him in person yeah yeah Excellent. Yeah, Bill will be back with us on the podcast uh, when we get close to the... Or at the Who's a better season. handicapper, Robert or Bill? Bill. <laughs> They're both good. <laughs> yeah, Bill. exactly. Bill is, uh, is full-time at it. Robert is has uh, got the good long shot angles, that's for sure. Um, okay, so we're going to go to selections, and the Pegasus uh, World Cup is this Saturday at Gulfstream. 5.40 p.m., race oh, 13. Very good. Um, I'm going to go to the Pegasus Turf in which who's the star is in that race the horse we've been talking about with, from woodbine with emma jane wilson um but i'm going to take a i'm going to go really kind of crazy in this one fellas i'm going to go good governance who's got the two post and he's a seven-year-old with only uh 10 or 11 career starts he tried a tough race last time out uh and he ran quite well he got squeezed out at the start and then you know that elbow when when you're making the turn right before the quarter pole. If you swing out there, you you're going to the right, and the rest of the horses are going to the left, and you lose like double lengths when you do that. And yeah. that's what happened. Uh, Bridge my hand. Kind of had to do it if he was going to get a run. He did it, and the horse ran on. He was 65 to one in that stake. He's going to be. He's 15 to one morning line. His name's Good Governance. Two post in the Pegasus Turf. And uh, I've, I'm going to go with the favorite in the World Cup, Cyberknife. I mean, White Barrios won like one race. Or no, no, he has no wins since he won the Florida Derby. Simplification has no wins since he won the uh, Fountain of Youth, I think it was, last year. 
and Cyberknife just runs good race after good race. So I'll take the favorite in the World Cup. I don't know what race you're looking at, Robert. I like Cyberknife to win. I think that it's, I don't think it's that strong a field, really. Yeah. And I think Cyberknife has the form, and I don't mind taking the short price on that horse. But I did think uh, that is a wild race where Lady Spitesby is in. I, I have a soft spot for her because she is a fighter. And Luis Saez will be on board and did really re run a great third uh last start so I, you know that was a tough race but I don't know how honestly I'm going to get a long shot in there but I thought Counter Oro could upset Arabian Nights Southwest okay Six. in the Southwest very yeah. good okay and just uh, before I get my pick in the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational we have Barkley's younger brother yes Wit by Practical Joke out of Numero de Oro uh, is breaking from the one hole at uh, eight to one and has had quite a nice career for Todd Pletcher. You so bet. he can run on the grass. He yeah. almost won the Hollywood Derby, didn't he? Uh, he did. He was beaten three quarters of a length. And before that, uh, he was beaten a neck in a grade three um, on turf. So yes, he's taken to the turf quite nicely. Robert mentioned the Southwest. I'm going to go to race 11. That's the race after the Southwest Saturday at Oakland Park. This is one of those state bred maiden special weights for Ar Arkansas bred fillies and mares. $90,000 purse on these races now. I like number six, B-Bo, 12 to 1 on the morning line. How do you spell that? B-E, and then a new word, B-O. Okay. So it's race 11, number six. Uh, it's by More Spirit, and this is the sixth foal out of Lady Giacomo. The first five foals are all winners, and Lady Giacomo was an allowance winner herself at uh, Oaklawn Park, and More Spirit posted his highest ever buyer speed figure at Oaklawn Park. Um, uh, a 108 in the 2017 Essex Handicap. Good connections with Ron, Ron Moquette and Rafael Bejarano, who's second in the standings there with 19 wins. So I think uh, Bebo can come out running at 12 to 1. First time starter. On uh, race 11, Saturday at Oaklawn. Number six, Bebo. Bebo. Okay. All right. So there's some selections. Uh, lots of great racing. By the way, Emerald Downs is open seven days a week for simulcasting and really a lot of excellent action on Monday and Tuesday from Turf Paradise. Uh, this past Monday, the 23rd, Perfect Dude won. There were 13 Washington breads in action at Turf Paradise this past Monday. So uh, again, open seven days a week for full card simulcasting. Uh, we'll have more on House Bill 1529. Again, go to Eli Sports Network if you want uh, some great coverage there. Paul Beatty used to cover uh, Olympia and South Sound Radio, and he is all over that one, a great fan of Emerald Downs. Or, uh, trivia, we always end with trivia, Robert. Uh-oh. <laughs> Who uh, who's the Washington-bred horse with the most $100,000 seasons? Earning $100,000 or more oh the most God. times. You called him. Mm. You called. The most times. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So there's not a ton of Washington breads with over two seasons of $100,000 earned. There's a couple with three, and this particular horse has four $100,000 seasons. The only one in Washington bred history. And you called his first mile victory. There's only two. There's only one horse that's won two miles here, so that so that go. narrows it down to Striker PhD. I love that yeah. horse. Gosh, four one hundred thousand dollars or more seasons for Striker PhD, Yikes. who's 
who's on our ballot, uh, Vince, for the Washington Thoroughbred Hall of Fame. Uh, that is correct, and it's a loaded ballot because uh, uh, in the horse we also got Wasserman, and I'm trying to remember the <gasps> oh other three. So, uh, Attaboy Roy. Oh, no, they're yeah. also good. Yeah, yeah, uh, they they'll are. all probably get in one of these day years, but... Uh, so that is the answer. You know, that was too easy of a question maybe because uh, some of our hotshot trivia answer guys didn't even reply to that. But Stryker's <laughs> the answer for $100,000 seasons. And uh, so we were talking a little bit there about Sessions Flame winning at Long Acres, Yakima Meadows, and Emerald Downs. Who's the first horse to win a race at Long Acres, Playfair, Yakima Meadows, and Emerald Downs? The first horse to win a race at Long Acres Playfair, Yakima Meadows, and Emerald Downs. Send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com, and we'll have a prize for you from our gift shop. Robert, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, and I have to say, I couldn't believe I was watching Mike Mann's gold still running while I was at Woodbine thinking this horse is still winning and retired recently, right? 26 wins. I couldn't believe it. He was a veteran when you were calling here. I know. It was amazing. Yeah, he won, he won races uh, his first 10 seasons on the Phenomenal track. horse. Yeah, and uh, Free the Gold won 28 at Long Acres. I, I guess I can't use that in a trivia question. By Green Grass Green. Yeah. Uh, okay. But Rob, thanks so much. A yeah. pleasure to be back and Great. To, to have a chance to connect like this. Great to have you around. Thank and you we'll so be much. consulting you for football selections. <laughs> and thanks again to Freddie Desimone for joining us as well as... Uh, we talked about the passing of Bob and Barbara Meeking, both with those great, great lives passed at the age of 94. Thanks for listening to Horse Racing Northwest.